Evidence and Answers. Can a Christian lose their salvation? Or are believers once saved, always saved? This is one of the most frequently asked questions by Christians. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on the show, Pat will be starting a series dealing with the question of salvation and so much more. If you're unable to hear this entire message, keep in mind all of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's Evidence and Answers. Now, here's Pat with today's study. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to today's challenges. Can a person lose their salvation? What is the unpardonable sin? And can we commit it today? What about infants who die prematurely? Do they go to heaven? These are some of the most popular questions I get asked on the issues of salvation. Or in theology, this is called issues of soteriology. Salvation Theology. So in this series, we're going to be answering some of the most popular questions I get asked in this area of salvation or soteriology. Now, one of the most frequently asked questions I get is, can a believer in Christ lose their salvation? Well, there are two views here held by Christians throughout the ages, and this has been debated for centuries. One position states that a believer can lose their salvation. The other position states that a believer is secure in their salvation. Or you may have heard the term, once saved, always saved. And Christians throughout the ages have debated this issue. And I believe the biblical case is stronger for eternal security, that a true believer in Christ cannot lose their salvation. Now, let me build the biblical case for this position here. I believe throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, it builds the case that a true believer in Christ is secure in Christ and cannot lose their salvation. Jesus says here in John five twenty four, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Here Jesus is saying that whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has, in the present tense, eternal life and a promise is given he does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life everlasting life is a present possession of the believer the moment one believes and the verse states that he has passed from death to life and he does not come into judgment he will never be condemned so eternal life is the possession of a believer when they truly come to commit their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not eternal if it can be lost. If it can be lost, then it's temporal. Another passage is John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28. Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. So we're saved by God's love and kept in grace by His power. Jesus says, No one can snatch them out of my hand, and no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. No one, not even ourselves, can pry us out of His hand. And Jesus also said that his sheep hear his voice and they will never perish. 
So it appears that this verse is stating a strong case that true believers in Christ are in the secure hand of God and that there is no one or any power that can snatch a believer out of the hand of God once they have placed their trust in Jesus Christ and therefore come into the hand of God. And once they do so, Jesus says, no one can pry them out of my hand or the Father's hand. In Romans chapter 8, Paul appears to be addressing this question, and he says here in verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? And he goes on to say in verse 38, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The term in Christ Jesus refers to believers who are in Christ. It refers to Christians there. Well, who can separate us from the love of Christ for those who are in Christ Jesus? Well, Paul says there is no power that can separate us from the love of Christ for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says here, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Nothing in creation, not ourselves or the power of sin or anything can separate us from the love of Christ. So there is no power or anything in all of creation that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ for those who are in Christ Jesus. That appears to be building a strong case for the eternal security of a believer. You go up a couple verses to verse 29 and Paul says this, for those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Look at the chain here that Paul connects from justification to glorification. The chain there, the progression is not broken. Verse 30. For those he justified, he also glorified. So from justification, salvation, all the way to glory, the end of our salvation, the consummation of our salvation in glory with him. That chain is not broken. If Christians could lose their salvation, I believe Paul would have said that whom God justified, some would be glorified. But he doesn't. He includes all believers. He says, those whom he justified, he also glorified. So that chain from justification, that initial point of salvation, being made right with God, all the way to glorification, our heavenly state, that chain is not broken. And as he states later on in verse 37 through 39, that there's no power or anything in all of creation that will separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. So Romans chapter 8, I believe, builds one of the strongest cases for the eternal security of a believer. Another passage to carefully look at is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. When it talks about the believer, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise and glory of God. So it says here in verse 13, we are sealed in the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul is drawing upon the imagery here 
that when a letter is sent from a powerful political official, it is rolled up and sealed in a wax seal, and the signet of that ruler is placed upon that wax, and no one can break that seal until it is delivered and accomplishes its goal. And that's what Paul is saying here. You're sealed, not with the authority of a king, but God himself, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. And the inheritance there is our glorification, our final state in heaven. And who is the guarantee that we are going to attain that inheritance? It's God himself, God, the Holy Spirit. As Paul says, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we are sealed in the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance until the day of redemption. And there are other verses we could go to, but I think I'll close with Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Paul there is talking about the work of God that has begun in us as believers in Christ. God will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, at the day of our glory. Whatever God begins, he's going to finish. And so he began a good work in us, and he will bring it to completion. So I think these verses present a strong case for the eternal security of a believer. Now, there are some verses that people point to that they believe teach that a believer can indeed lose their salvation. So let's just take a look at a few. First one I often hear comes from Matthew chapter 7, where it talks about on Judgment Day. Jesus says this, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so some point out here that, look, these people call Jesus Lord, Lord. They prophesied in the name of Jesus. They cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They did miracles in the name of Christ. And yet, at the end of the age, Jesus says, depart from me. Therefore, it appears to speak of believers who did powerful works of ministry for Jesus Christ and then lost their salvation. Well, if you look at the passage carefully, at the end of verse 23, Jesus says this, Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of evil. These are people who did not know Christ. Jesus said, I never knew you. There never was a time you were part of the body of Jesus Christ. He says, I never knew you. Although these people may have been involved in church and serving in the church, they did not have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Judas is a good example. He is one who served in the presence of Christ. He was sent out with the 12 and the 70 and did mighty works. He preached out there and served with the disciples of Christ. Yet, the Gospels tell us that the devil entered into him, that Judas was never a true believer in Christ. And that's why the devil entered into him and he betrayed Christ. That's the same thing happening here. Although these people may be doing things for Christ, they never had a true relationship with Christ. That's why Jesus says in verse 23, I never knew you. So they did not lose their salvation. They never had it to begin with. Another popular passage that's pointed to is in Luke chapter 8. This is the famous parable of the sower and his seeds. 
And in chapter 8 of Luke, Jesus' parable goes like this. The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. As it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell among the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Jesus said, He who has an ear, let him hear. Now some look at the second seed here that says some fell upon the rock and it grew up and it withered away because it had no moisture. Now some look at that verse and say, you see, these are Christians who believed in the word, but it withered away because there was no moisture. In other words, they accepted Christ, but then they lost their salvation. Or some look at the third soil and say, well, these fell among the thorns and were choked out. So these were Christians who believed in the message, received the word of God, and then were choked out and lost their salvation. So many point to perhaps the second and third soil as building a case that these are Christians who lost their salvation. Well, the answer to this parable is not looking at the seed, but indeed the soils. The soils represent the heart of the person here. And the first three soils represent hearts that were not ready to receive the gospel. The soil was not good. One immediately rejected the gospel. One did not truly accept the gospel. That's why when it was truly tested by the sun, it melted away. And the third one also was a heart that truly did not receive the gospel, and it grew up among thorns. So the problem was in the heart of the person, which the soil represents. It's only the fourth soil where the heart was prepared to truly receive the gospel, and therefore it yielded fruit. So the first three represent people who were not ready to receive the gospel and therefore really did not receive the gospel and were not saved. It's only the fourth one where the heart was prepared and received the message of the gospel of Christ and entered into a state of true salvation in Christ and therefore yielded fruit a hundredfold. Now here's another verse that's one of the most popular that perhaps builds the strongest case that a believer can lose their salvation. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 says this, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. So those who believe that a Christian can lose their salvation believe this passage here teaches that people can fall away and lose their salvation, that true believers in Christ can indeed, as verse 6 says, fall away from the faith and lose their salvation. If that interpretation is correct, then a person who has fallen away from the faith can never again come to a saving knowledge of faith in Jesus Christ. For the passage says in verse 6, and then have fallen away to ever restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him to contempt. So those who believe that this passage is teaching that Christians can lose their salvation, well then according to verse 6, once you've fallen away, you can never come back to repentance or salvation in Christ again. Well, no one who believes that salvation can be lost holds that position. Those who believe you can lose your salvation believe that if you repent, you can return to Christ 
and be part of the body of Christ again. You can once again regain your salvation. However, according to this verse, chapter 6, verse 6 of Hebrews, it says here, those who have fallen away, it's impossible to restore them once again. So if that interpretation is correct, then once lost, always lost. There's no chance to repent and be restored to Christ again after the first time you turn away. Well, no one in the Armenian camp who believes you can lose your salvation, no one holds to that interpretation of the passage. Well, what is the passage saying? Well, the verse, if you look at its context, is addressing Jewish Christians who have backslidden and are in danger of not attaining maturity and growth in Christ. I believe this passage is addressing Christians here because it says that they have experienced repentance in verse 6. They have been enlightened. These are descriptions of believers in Christ. In verse 9, they are called the beloved. That's not a title that's given to unbelievers here. So I believe the writer of Hebrews is addressing Christians who are in danger of falling away. In other words, not reaching maturity in Christ, but backsliding. Now, the term here, who have fallen away in verse 6, the Greek word there is an interesting word. The word is parapesantas, which does not indicate a one-way irreversible action, which means that the status of those who have fallen away is not hopeless. The passage is saying backsliders do not need to repent or get saved again, just as there's no need for Jesus to be sacrificed again. The passage is not pointing to a loss of salvation, but to a loss of maturity and growth in Christ. Therefore, it's exhorting Christians to growth and maturity in Christ. That's what that passage is preaching there. Now, the final passage we'll look at here is Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, where Jesus says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. So some take this to imply that one can be removed from the book of life. One's name can be blotted out of the book of life. Well, there are four other verses referring to the book of life in the book of Revelation. One of them is Revelation 13, verse 8, which states, And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. In other words, according to chapter 13, verse 8, the saved, those who are in Christ, their names are written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, from the beginning of time. So according to this verse, one's eternal destiny is determined before the foundation of the world. Once one has his name in the book of life, a believer can be certain they will not lose their salvation. Therefore, verse 5 is not a threat that one's name can be blotted out of the book of life, but a statement of assurance that it will never be blotted out out of the book of life. So therefore, I believe the stronger biblical case is the case for eternal security, that a believer's salvation is indeed secure in Christ. Well, a question I often get then is this. Well, what do you say about a person who says he's a believer in Christ but lives in continual sin? Wouldn't we say that that person has lost their salvation if they continue in their sin? Well, I would say that a person who is unrepentant and continues in sin may never have truly believed in Jesus Christ. 
a person who has truly believed in Christ has indeed the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. And according to John 14 and John 16, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. So a believer in Christ who has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, I believe when they are in sin, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit will indeed convict them of their sin and they may they will not be continually in an unrepentant, unremorseful way continuing in that sin. Paul addresses it here in Romans chapter 6. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? You know, just because we're eternally secure, does that mean that we can live then any way we want because God will forgive us and we're eternally saved? Paul says, by no means. How can we who died to sin continue to live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Paul is saying that your old sinful nature has been crucified with Christ. We now live not according to the sinful nature, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. So it's not possible for a true believer in Christ to continue to live a life dominated and controlled by sin. Security of one's salvation does not give one a license to live a life of sin any way he chooses or pleases in complete disregard to God and the Word of God. Indeed, Paul is saying those who are true believers in Christ indeed will want to live in obedience to Christ. The fruit of the validity of our salvation is demonstrated in that we reflect the character of Christ and bear fruit as Jesus said in John chapter 15. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 also addresses this issue. John writes this, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So John is saying this, if you truly know Christ, you cannot continue living a life of sin. Now, will Christians sin? Absolutely. You know, we still battle the old man, our old sinful nature that will not be eradicated until the day of glory. But until then, there is a battle there. And a true believer in Christ will not continue in sin. But indeed, when they are convicted by the Holy Spirit of sin, they will indeed eventually repent or feel guilty or feel remorse about that sin and do all they can in the power of the Holy Spirit to change their ways. Those who continue in sin in an unrepentant, unremorseful way, John says here, has neither seen him or has known him. So those who profess to be Christians but continue to live in sin Perhaps there'll be a day, as Hebrews chapter 12 says, that they will be disciplined by God. Or we could question whether their profession of faith in Christ was indeed a true profession. Do they, did they really understand the message of the gospel and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Did, do they really know him? For Paul makes it clear in Romans 6 and John and 1 John 3 that a true believer in Christ cannot go on continuing a life of unrepentant sin. And those who are true believers in Christ, Hebrews chapter 12, 
Paul says this, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So a true believer in Christ then will be disciplined by God and brought back to a right relationship with him. So Christians have held two views throughout the centuries. Can one lose their salvation? Some say yes. Others say no, you're eternally secure in Christ. I believe the biblical evidence builds a strong case that indeed a believer is secure in Christ, that once they come to a true saving knowledge of God, that their salvation is indeed secure. What God begins, he will indeed bring to pass. Hope you enjoyed this segment on questions about salvation. We'll continue this series again. So I hope you'll join me again here on Evidence and Answers as we answer more questions regarding our wonderful salvation in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. If you found this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online at our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, State Farm Agent Sue Ann Liu. For all your insurance needs, home, auto, or life, contact Sue Ann at sueannlu.com or give her a call in Hawaii, area code 808-567-6116. Join us next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ, right here on Evidence and Answers.